Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. Hi, my name is Andrea. I'm going to be doing the Bible reading today in Psalm 23. You can get in your Bibles now. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son, Jesus, our great and our good shepherd. We love you, Jesus. Bless our day here today and seal your word in our hearts forever. Make us walk in your path for your name's sake. Amen. Well, good morning, church. How are we this morning? No one responds because you're all too polite. Good. Are we all okay? Well, it's a very well-known psalm we're going to be looking at this morning, and I would encourage you to have your Bibles, your iPads, whatever way you read the Bible these days, open before you, because this is a wonderful, wonderful text. Very familiar, obviously, and the danger with being so familiar is that we can often just take it for granted and not see the wonderful depths of the beauty and the truths that this contains. Uh, and, and Andy just revealed that even in the way he did about the table in the presence of the enemies. Um, so we're going to be having a little bit of a break as a church. If you're a visitor, we're having a little sort of break from a long series into a smaller summer series. And this three-part series is to do with how we relate to God. Really important, how we relate to God. How we, as human beings, can relate to the divine God who is beyond time and space and have a relationship with Him. And we're going to look at it through the lens of three animals. Uh, and uh, today, you'll obviously have guessed the animal we're going to be looking at. And uh, just to help me realize uh, the, the truth of this, uh, I'd just like you all to... If you can do that, that would really help me. Can you all do that, please? Okay. That's very, very good. So, uh, sheep. Now, I don't know what you think of sheep, uh, you, you, I'm sure everyone's got an opinion on sheep. I can remember saying to my uncle who lived in America who kept sheep that sheep was stupid. And he really, really went for me. And he said, they are not stupid. They're vulnerable. They're dependent. He said, but I can walk into a field of sheep and I can call them 
and they know my name, my voice, and they come running. And I don't know if you've ever seen a shepherd out on the fields, but they know the shepherd, the sheep, can identify. You can go in the middle of a field, you can go, hey, hey, whoo-hoo. They run the other way. The shepherd comes in, and they move towards him. And so this is a message this morning. I want you, as the sheep of God, to move towards our good shepherd. That's, that's what I want to encourage you to do. And I've titled this morning's message, A Sheep's Guidebook to the Good Life. There we have our sheep, all happy. And uh, how, how to live as a sheep of God and know the goodness of God in your life is the object or the aim of this uh, talk. And uh, it's, it's encouragement for all of us to relate in this beautiful way to God as our shepherd. It's an incredibly humble way for God, the God of the universe, the God who is awesome beyond time and space, who condescends to relate to us as a shepherd does towards its sheep. God takes the office and the character of a shepherd and he calls us sheep. In his eternal mercy, he wants to lead and guide our lives so that when our life comes to its end, we will know that goodness and mercy have followed us all our days and that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, for this to happen, we need to be aware of what a sheep is like. Because if we don't look at the mirror of God's word and understand something of the nature of sheep, we might miss the benefits of why God inspired this psalm to be written. And so... This is a guide, firstly, to look at the sheep before we finish by looking at the shepherd. Do you know there are 90 varieties or breeds of sheep in the British Isles? There they are, some of them. And uh, good-looking ones, not so good-looking ones. Some that are fatter, some that are thinner, some that are different coloured, some that are designed to to walk on the top mountains, some of them like the more pastures. What this tells me, and should tell all of us, is that what joins us together as a church, the diversity of this beautiful church, is the fact that we are all God's sheep. Whether whatever background, whatever color or nation or youth or whatever, God loves the variety and we are all sheep. It's a great leveler in the church. And uh, so I want to talk about four things about the sheep this morning that I hope will encourage you. And as I said, hold your Bibles open. So firstly, you need to understand that sheep are valuable, valuable to the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. This is an intensely personal, relational prayer to God as shepherd. Sheep 
are incredibly valuable. 10,000 years, sheep have been bred and farmed for their meat and their wool. The backbone of many rural economies have been these wonderful sheep. They have brought blessing to whole communities. Farmers are committed to their sheep. They will wander out on a freezing cold evening. When the snow is laying thick, the shepherd will get out there and he'll go looking for a lamb or he'll go looking for a sheep that's in danger. They are that valuable, he's willing to put his life on the line for the sheep. David knew, as he was a shepherd himself, what it meant to put your life on the line for the sheep. And as he thought about this, he was inspired to realize God puts his life on the line for us, his sheep. We are that valuable to God. We are always being lied to as the church of Jesus Christ that God, is, God has got a lot on his plate and he's not that interested in your life, in your details of your life. But here we're reminded that God is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. Don't look around you and think, yeah, God, God obviously likes Andy and Sean, but he's not that interested in me. No, God is my shepherd. He's interested in my life, my needs, my job, my work, my family. He is my shepherd, and he walks, walks towards us when we come into his family this morning in an intensely personal way. Please hear this, we're coming to the good shepherd. Jesus says, I've laid down my life for the sheep. John chapter 10, I'm the good shepherd. And he wants to come and meet you at your place of need this morning. He gathers us into the church this morning, but he wants to meet us personally, one by one. He watches over your life, he saves you, he blesses you. He feeds you. He will do you good. Your life matters to God. Amen? amen. Actually, rather than amen, get that's probably easier. <laughs> yeah, some good sheep in here. Okay, at the end of every point, you can do the bah. So firstly, you're valuable to God. Amen? <laughs> Secondly, sheep are designed to eat. Okay, he makes me lie down. Where does he make me lie down? In green pastures. Then he leaves me beside quiet waters. Why? To refresh my soul. Sheep are designed to eat. If you look inside the sheep's mouth, you'll find a, 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 a cleft palate designed to split up a lip in order that the sheep can both nibble and pull great tufts of grass on the mountainside. It takes the food inside a stomach and then regurgitates it so that even when a sheep is sitting still and you walk past it, if you've have done this, you'll see it's it's always eating. It's Andy Megan in animal form. Always, always got something to be eating. Do you know the number one killer of lambs when they're born? It's called lamb starvation. 
Very quickly, after a lamb is born, it needs to be bonded to its mother in order to take on milk. Now, sadly, sometimes that doesn't, the mother doesn't recognize it, the baby doesn't recognize it, or the lamb in those early days gets a spring in its step and goes bouncing off and can't find its mother. But without nourishing and taking on that milk in those early days, lambs just die. Number one killer of lambs, not being able to eat. And then as the sheep grows up, you'll know that the farmer takes an awful lot of time taking it to green pastures. It's not the any old field will do, a field of turnips, a field of anything. No, he takes it to the best fields in order for the sheep to be able to graze and for the sheep to be able to be healthy. For us as believers we need to understand that God has provided rich nourishment for our development and our growth. It's called the Bible. And the Bible talks about itself in Hebrews as being like milk for new believers. Hebrews uh, chapter 4 talks about, um, sorry, chapter 5 talks about the elementary truths that you you, you suckle on when you become a Christian, and he talks about baptisms and faith and, and resurrections and, 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 and judgment. So these are the sort of baby things you start to grow up on when you become a Christian. And then as you take on more milk, you go on to food and to grass. And we're to graze in the fields, the green pastures of God's word, the scriptures of truth. They're always fresh. They're always relevant. They're always rich. They're never exhausted. This is the word of God. And so it asks to us as sheep, where is the word of God in our diet? Where is the voice of God in our lives? Because there are many voices and there are many things that compete for our attention. But we need to be giving ourselves, particularly in these days, I would probably say one of the greatest killers of the church today is starvation from the Word of God. I spoke to a young woman in our movement of churches who's doing a year out in our movement of churches and she said, I don't think I've read my Bible for six months. Now, I'm not wanting to be harsh or legalistic. You've got to read your Bible, otherwise God's you know, going to not give you a good day. But if it is the very life-giving word for our souls and for our development and for our growth and for our nourishment, we do need to be reading the Bible and as a church, we need to work hard at helping everyone to be able to access the Bible because it is complex and there are elementary truths and there are more difficult things. But without the Bible being part of our lives, we will not grow, we'll not change, we'll not be all that God wants us to be. And even church, if I might throw this, question, this challenge out, you can't do it all on a Sunday. You, can't, you just can't. You know, you've got very able people who try their best to read the Bible and teach the Bible. 
But you just can't do it all on a Sunday. We can only just say, hey, have a taster. Come on, we need to, we need to, as sheep together, to be looking into how we can nourish ourselves and give ourselves to the Word of God. Amen? We need to be men and women of the Word. Amen. Now, it gets even more challenging here because... Thirdly, about sheep, they have a high level of independence. It says here, he guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even if I walk through the the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. Why do we need a rod and staff? Why is that? That sounds like hard work. No, that's to keep us on God's path through life so that our life can have its purpose and its meaning and we achieve the purpose that God put us on earth to achieve. But sheep, you and me, we have a high level of independence. Anyone agree with that? You don't look like you agree with that. I I promise you it's true. Whilst we might excuse the lambs for gambling off and getting disconnected with their mother because they didn't know any better... When you look at sheep, straying is what they do best. If you go to Wales, I mean, we had holiday after holiday after holiday in Wales. It was so interesting to watch sheep. They'd be in a lovely green pasture, and then there'd be this scrappy bit of grass the other side of the barbed wire fence, and you'd have this sheep sort of scuggling underneath the barbed wire fence to get over to this little bit of grass. I've seen sheep right on the edge of a cliff, tiny little cutting on a cliff where it's a sheer drop to its death and it's desperately trying to get down to this little bit of grass. And you find sheep's skulls and sheep's debris because they do fall off, they do die. Why? Well, they've got a green grass mentality. The grass looks greener on the other side of the valley or the other side of the road. And you get where this applies to us. There is always green grass that Christians can get. Well, if only that. That looks really nice. That looks really tasty. My relationship, my marriage, well, it's a bit sort of brown and scrubby, and that relationship over there looks green. Green grass relationships, green grass jobs, Christians who go for a job because it's £50,000 a year, and they don't even ask the question of the church and where God is in it, and they, they wander off. I've been a pastor 30-plus years And I've seen so many beautiful, wonderful sheep lose their way because of green grass mentality. They just feel like they're missing something. That that church down the road, hey, that church down the road, that's really growing. I want to just go over there. It might be just, just doing something a bit different. And we need to recognize that we all like sheep have gone astray, as Isaiah says. And that actually we have an enemy who wants to take us out. And so we need to recognize this morning as we just consider this word, there is a high level of independence in all of us. And if you don't believe me, just think of when a church leader says we're all going to and what your initial, your first reaction is. Imagine Andy goes, right, we're all going to go to St. James's Park for a picnic straight after the meeting. I'll guarantee there's a big percentage of you go, well, I'm not. 
That's our first reaction. I mean, whether you could or available or not, the first reaction is, well, I'm not. It's true, isn't it? You know in your own spirit there's a high level of independence. And when the word of God applies to us and challenges us, we know that we often go not on the right path, but on the wrong path. Finally, sheep are vulnerable to disease and attack. It talks about in the presence of my enemies. It talks, I walk through the darkest valley. And God promises to be with us, to comfort us. Sheep are vulnerable, very vulnerable, both to disease and attack. We have a number of elders in our movement who are, part, who are shepherds down in the West Country. And I was with one of them recently, well, not recently, last year. And uh, he stopped his four by four in a field and goes, ah, a sheep has turned over. It's on its back. And I'm going... Yeah, well, presumably it would just turn itself back on its legs. No, they can't do that. There's an inability. If they fall over and go on their back, they cannot right themselves. And you think, well, okay, this has got to stay on its back for a bit longer. Do you know what happens within about 10, 15 minutes of a sheep being on its back? Crows come and peck its eyes out. That's the first thing that happened. I didn't, didn't know that. And then once they're blind, they have to be put down. So there's an urgency to the shepherd's action because the sheep is so vulnerable that if it gets into on a hill and tips over or whatever it is, but also sheep are beautiful prey to bigger animals. In David's time, he talks about the bear, he talks about the wolf. We know that we have an enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking those he will devour. And here's the, here's the heart cry of God that we understand how vulnerable, how prone to attack we are and how committed he is to protect us and help us and guide us. They also are very prone to disease. I won't go into all the... I thought about putting up some slides. Uh, worms, flies, maggots, all the diseases that are there. But I thought it might put you off your lunch. But the point of it is they need clean food and clean barns in order to live healthy lives. So when we think of ourselves, we need to be realizing as sheep, as we gathered into God's fold this morning before the good shepherd, that he is committed to help us. He is committed to guide us. He is committed for our good. But we need to recognize that we are vulnerable. We do go our own way. We do need good food if we are to be the sheep in God's pastures. So there's some encouragements uh, for those of us, all of us, who are sheep this morning. But the one thing we do need, that sheep need more than anything else, is a shepherd. We can talk about good food, we can talk about clean accommodation, we can talk about protection with fences from the enemies, we can talk about the proneness of falling over. But the way in which a sheep flourishes, or a herd of sheep flourish, is with a good shepherd. You can tell how 
Good shepherds are by the health of the sheep. That's how you do it. Look at a field of healthy sheep and you know there's a good shepherd. Look at a good church full of sheep that are bearing. And you know there's good shepherds looking after them. So I just want to finish this morning to talk about briefly a guide to good shepherds. It says here, Good shepherds, in verses 5 and 6, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Goodness and love follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But please also now turn over just to 1 Peter 5, because this gives a little bit more definition in terms of understanding how God also calls under-shepherds. Not only have we got Jesus, our good shepherd, we've also got elders who are under-shepherds. And I just want to read these verses in 1 Peter 5, verses 1 to 5. If you turn there. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, as a witness of Christ's suffering, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. A witness to Christ's sufferings, Peter describes his relationship to the Good Shepherd. He knew the Good Shepherd was Jesus Christ. He knew that Jesus is the Shepherd. And he knew that this Shepherd had laid down his life through suffering on a cross, giving up his life for the sheep in order to redeem and ransom this lost world into a relationship with the good shepherd. The shepherd king is Jesus Christ, the one who shares with us his glory, the one who promises to have hit, that those who have him lack nothing. He's the one who supplies our every need. You see, the wicked always want, but the sheep of God's pastures have all they need. If we have Christ, we have all we need. The wicked just long for more and lust for more. If we have Christ, it's enough. Now, whilst our hero is our great shepherd, his King Jesus, the greatest leader ever, Peter says that those who are to lead in the church of Jesus Christ need to be leading in a way that relates to Jesus as a shepherd. That we need to see ourselves in that lens of what a good shepherd is if we're to lead and to lead as God intended it. We are under shepherds. And there are three Ps that I'm going to use in this little text here just to remind us because it's a day in which leadership is being challenged right across the Western world. And rightly so. And we need to be reminded what a church leader, a leader in any Christian ministry who, who leads, who takes leadership, what they look like and what we should expect from them from this scripture. And the first thing I notice here is verse 3, it says, 
not lording it over those in trust you, but being examples, or the P would be patterns. Jesus leads from the front. I am the good shepherd who lay down his life for the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me. He leads me. He's out in front. Shepherds, after God's own heart, are first and foremost sheep following the good shepherd. We're not sheepdog. You've watched one man and his dog. I mean, it's amazing to watch, and we go, wow, a clever old dog. But that's not how church is to be organized or run. That after the meeting, your, your, your pastoral teams and your elders are trying to gather you to go here and tell you to go there. We need to be those who first and foremost are sheep. That others look and say they're following the good shepherd. Their lives are following the good shepherd. Contrast that with the world which is about dishonest gain here, about lording it over, about eagerly bossing and bullying the flock. Many of this, sadly, has crept into the church. And I just want to remind you as sheep what you should believe for and expect from leaders at every level in the church's life. They need to be servants. They need to be sheep. They need to be following Jesus And yet we do like, don't we, because we go to the West End, we do like the powerful, the clever, the articulate, the, the, the person with a gift. We do tend to love and idolize those people and put them on platforms. And we do tend to denigrate those people who are very ordinary. Examine your leaders and ask, are these people sheep? And are they following the great shepherd? And are they eager to serve as Christ wants them to be? The greatest of all leaders is the one who is the greatest servant to all. Not those who are the most articulate, clever, winsome, brilliant. So secondly, the second P is protection. And we go back to Psalm here, but also in verse 2, it says, Be shepherds of God's flock under your care, watching over them. In the Psalm, we hear about a rod and a staff. And you may think, well, hang on, what's, what, what? you may not be that up to speed on shepherds. So what is the difference, a rod and a staff? Well, the rod was like a heavy club. It was there for the shepherds to protect the sheep. So when the sheep came into the fold at night, he'd have the, 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 the rod there, and come a wolf, come a, a person who wanted to steal the sheep, there is this rod to beat away the enemy. The staff was a more of a walking stick, a, a support for a shepherd as he climbed the hillside. Yes, it would have a curved end so he could yoink out a lamb that's been caught in the thicket. Yes, it was also in some cultures it's used for separating out between my sheep and other sheep. But it was there for the benefit of the shepherd and the sheep under your care, watching over them. 
And so we find here Peter saying that the mark of a shepherd is that they protect the church. They watch over the church. They're watching out for wrong doctrine. They're watching out for wolves. They're watching out for people who come in and want to destroy another believer's life. It's an important role to see over, not just to see what's before us, in front of us, but to see right at the back and see what's going on, to know the church well, to love the church well, to not have favorites, to not listening to the most bleaty sheep every day. And they are to be men who will take seriously the responsibility of uh, teaching making sure nothing wrong or divisive comes into the church. They're there for protection. Your leaders in your church are there to help protect you from the work of the enemy. That means you need to come under their rod Sunday by Sunday so they can see how you do it. Make sure you haven't been bitten. Make sure you haven't got an infestation. Making sure you're healthy. So good leaders... Not only are examples, they're there to help protect you. And finally, they're there to provide for you. It says, watching over them and uh, being examples to them, but also talking and feeding the people of God. And we'll turn back just to Psalm 23, just to finish here. Green pastures, it talks about. The Lord is my shepherd, makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And then it finishes in this wonderful way. Surely goodness and love or goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. The role of a leader is continually to reintroduce us to the life of the Spirit, which brings God's goodness and mercy into all of our lives. You see, we, we live in a world, in a hostile world. There are things going on in our lives, some of us passing through very, very dark valleys. Can be bereavement, can be illness, can be loneliness, can be mental health challenges, can be all kinds of things. And we come into church and we feel beaten up, we feel discouraged, we feel like we're on our last breath. And the role of leaders is to point us to the good shepherd and to remind us that goodness and mercy are freely available every day of our life. That the goodness of God stands over this church, over all God's people throughout all their life. That God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. He never changes from goodness. He doesn't have an off day where he looks at us and goes, tell you what, I'm ticked off with you today, and I'm going to be bad. No, he's always good. Even though the, the rod may hurt, and even though the, the path may be hard and, and uphill, God is good. He will get us to the end. He is committed. When you believe on Jesus Christ, he doesn't say, well, it's over to you now. I hope, I'll see you in eternity. I hope you get there. No, he promises goodness and mercy going to follow you every single day. 
and you will dwell in the house of the Lord. Why? Because he's my shepherd, my king, my wonderful one, my one who's done it all for me, the beginning, the alpha, and the end, the omega. Goodness will follow you every day of your life. Today there is the goodness of God for all his children, for every sheep who needs a touch of the Holy Spirit. There is the goodness of God here in this place. And mercy. Isn't that a wonderful, gracious word that we need mercy on our lives? Don't we recognize how like sheep we are? You, you, you haven't been nodding or barring very much. I'd be barring my head off if I was sitting where you are because so often I'm, I'm thinking, do you know what? I think I need that little bit of grass over there. Yeah, I know, it, I know it's out of bounds, but just a little bit surely can't hurt. And then I get myself in a right old mess. And then I feel, well, I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to be a Christian leader. Oh, I need mercy. And mercy comes and flows from our good shepherd. The shepherd that's laid down his life for the sheep. That's why we need to sit and have a table in the presence of our enemies because God speaks over our lives. They are mine. To all our enemies, to the Satan and all his foes and dominion, to all those who hate the church, Jesus says, these are mine. And there is mercy for all their sin. He paid for all our sin. And so when we come in on a Sunday... We gather as a flock to the good shepherd to worship him, to give him our allegiance, to say, yeah, we want to be led. Yes, we want to be fed. Yes, we know there's an enemy and we want to be protected. We thank you for under shepherds. We thank you for these people who give their lives to protecting us and defeating us. But this day, Lord Jesus, we need grace and love and mercy and it's freely available. I once did a, many years ago, I preached in this church as a visiting preacher, and I, talk, I, I went off the stage, I, I picked two people. Um, one of them was a man called Kieran who led worship here, and I said, I want you to follow me, and I ran around the church, and they followed me. I said, that's what goodness and mercy is. You never exhaust goodness and mercy. Every time I saw Kieran, who went to be with Jesus just a few weeks ago, he would remind me of that little anecdote. He said, it's been true. He went through cancer. He went through all kinds of things. He said, Guy, I'm always reminded of that message. Goodness, God's goodness and God's mercy has followed me all the days of my life. And you cannot exhaust it. You cannot exhaust it. I don't know where you are with God. I'll finish you with this story. I grew up in a non-Christian home. And became a Christian when I was 15 years old. My parents said, well, give it a week, you'll get over it. And I'm still going. My mum was taken into hospital some years ago. Um, and it was quite a ser serious illness. And, uh, but she was making some recovery. And my wife said, you ought to go and see her tonight. And I went to see my mum. And she, uh, she opened up. She said, when I was a little child, I gave my life to the Good Shepherd. And I spent my life walking away from him. Do you think he still loves me? And I've memorized Psalm 23, so I just, I just spoke out Psalm 23. And tears rolled down her cheek. And she said, would you pray for me?
I prayed for her on that evening. And the following day, she died. But I can say this. God's goodness and mercy has followed me every day of my life. And I know that one day I'll be called upwards. And I want to see Jesus more than anybody else. And I want to see you guys as well on that glorious day. And I want to see my mom. I want to see my dad. Because God is faithful to all who call on his name to be saved. Why don't we stand? I'll just pray for us. Lord Jesus, we just want to say this morning, we are your sheep, the sheep of your pasture, and you are our shepherd, and you are a good shepherd. Thank you for laying down for the sheep. And Lord, if there's any in this place who've wandered from you today, would you draw them back with your shepherd's staff, pull them back into the way. Anyone who don't know you, Lord, I pray you'd reveal yourself not as a God who is distant, but my shepherd, my flock, my sheep, a personal relationship with the living God today. And I pray for everyone going through a valley at the moment that, Lord, you'd minister to them. There'd be ministry that flows from this place where goodness and mercy would come into each and every situation and sheep would know the life and the health of the Holy Spirit, washing them, cleansing them, renewing them and reviving them. Give us an appetite for your word, Lord. I know that word probably sat heavy with many of us, but Lord, I pray, not a heavy heaviness, but a desire to know you through your word. I pray that would be the fruit of this message. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship him. Thanks for listening to Sermon Audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.